the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I love how the writer of Hebrews describes this. He says, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Remember what God said to the prophet? Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now remember the context. The Jews were there exiled. They had been taken away. They were captive. And there were some false teachers, kind of the prosperity preachers of that day that were saying, hey, just hang in there. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be great. But we read the Bible and it says sometimes things aren't great. Sometimes things aren't okay. And so these people thought they were going to be delivered and God sent Jeremiah to say, no, y'all need to hang out here a while because it's going to be a bit. It's going to be 70 years before you go. Some of you are going to die here. So what does he say? In verse 5 and 29, it says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and daughters and and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. And otherwise, this is a generational time frame that you're dealing with. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I, I think we need to understand this reality. God wants us to be where we are. And a lot of us, we spend a lot of time and energy in our life thinking about where we want to be when our God just wants us to be where we are. We're to live for his glory and for his mission right where we are because when we do, it changes lives. It changes lives like John and Maya. John and Maya came to our Six Mile campus good while back and their life was a mess they'd gotten caught up in addiction and they'd lost their home they'd lost their children and our church you over there at our six mile campus began to love on John and Maya and as happens when God begins to work through you and And people see that God loves people because you love people. John and Maya became followers of Jesus. And and John and Maya were baptized. And they began to pursue living for God. And and they began to walk away from those addictions. And God broke those chains. And God gave them a home. And then this week, I I had a first that took took place. I 
I got a call from a county judge. Now, often that can be a bad thing, but on this particular day, that was a good thing because this judge was calling me. He was saying, Pastor, I've just got to shout out to Mission Hill. I just got to praise God for what you're doing because today I had the privilege of presiding over the case of John and Maya. And because of the love of your church and because of the way you've invested in their lives and because of the way you have made a difference, I was able to tell them they have their children back. That's God working. That's what happens when you run to those places God wants you to be. It's a ministry of presence. Somebody says that 90% of success is just showing up. What happens when you show up and you demonstrate the love of God in practical ways, no strings attached, just being where you are. Here's a question for you. Is your presence making an impact on those in your little corner of the world? Is where you are a better place because you are there. Jesus went to the city, but there's a second thing in this passage. Jesus wept for the city. That word that says Jesus wept, it literally means he burst into tears. So y'all know this. I'm a little bit of a crybaby. I mean, all I've got to do is watch a Hallmark commercial and the tears start running down my eye. But this isn't talking about a, a, a leakage of the eye. This was a loud, sobbing, wailing cry from the God of the universe. As he looked out over creation, as he looked at the city, he wept. In another place, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And, and if you'll allow me just to get on the edge for a second. My southern lady, um, southern lady mother, who was always careful about her wording, whenever we would talk about things of the bathroom, she might would talk about having a movement. All right? There, you heard it in church, maybe for the first time. When it says that Jesus was moved with compassion, it literally means a word that is a guttural movement. He felt it in his gut. When's the last time you've been so moved emotionally over the things of God that you felt it deep within you? The only other time we see Jesus crying like this is in John 11 when he weeps over the death of his good friend Lazarus. And Jesus is showing us on both occasions that he's not just physically invested, he's emotionally involved. And, and so while God wants you to be where you are, he wants you to be physically present, I'm telling you, he wants you to be emotionally involved. So I'd ask you today, are you passionate about the people in your little corner of the world? God's looking for your presence, but he's also looking for your passion. Jesus went to the city. Jesus wept for the city.
But then the other thing you see is that Jesus warned the city. So remember the scenario you've got here. Jesus is looking over Jerusalem. And he he begins to weep. And then he says, uh, this is not good. It's not going to turn out good for you. You're going to be destroyed. It's a prophetic voice of Jesus. And in the Bible, there's two kinds of prophecy. One is a foretelling of the future. The other is a telling forth. It's describing what's going to happen. And in this particular case, Jesus does both. He's telling what's going to happen, and then he just states truth. He states the fact. It's prophetic. And guess what? It takes place that way. In 60 AD, or 70 AD rather, under the reign of Titus, the Roman guard, Jerusalem is destroyed. What's left? After that 143-day siege where 600,000 Jews are killed, in 135 AD, Hadrian destroyed the rest. In a way, Jesus is saying that the truth of God is going to shine forth even when you're not willing to receive it. He was warning them. And I think when we see this, we're reminded that every one of us, every Christ follower, we are to have on some level a prophetic voice. We're to be the ones who speak difference into the world. So the Bible does use these phrases saying we're salt and light. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. It says in Paul's letter to Corinth that that we are transformed. In fact, I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 5.13 says, If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things are passed away. All things have become new. So, so one of the things we have to ask as professing Christ followers, am I different? Do I, do I look any different from the world and, and my behavior and my attitudes and my actions? And I, I think a lot of us, we're afraid to be different. We're afraid of what those in our office, what those in the classroom, what those in the neighborhood will think. They'll assume we're a weirdo or maybe in some kind of cult. Yet the role of the Christ follower is to be that shining light of truth, even in a world of falsehood. Every Christ follower has a prophetic responsibility in the place that they live. 
God wants us to be where we are, but he also wants us to be different from where we are. So that third question I would ask you, do you have a prophetic voice to the people in your little corner of the world? So let's talk about our little corner of the world. This is a great place to live, isn't it? Some of you have moved here from all over the world. In fact, a lot of people have moved here. Did you know that Tampa Bay is now the second largest metropolitan area in the state of Florida behind Miami? That means in the Tampa Bay area, there are about 3.1 million people that live here. That's incredible. That's a lot of people. And we know that probably 80 to maybe as much as 90% of them have no relationship with Jesus Christ. But we live on this side of the bay, right? We're Tampa, not Tampa Bay. Primarily Hillsborough County. And did you know right now, 1.5 million people live in Hillsborough County? It's a lot of folks. But, but our church, man, we come from Pasco. Uh, we, we come from the east and the west. We come from the south. Our central campus is here in this little municipality. It's called Temple Terrace. Temple Terrace is like a little town in the midst of the big city. We have about 27,000 residents in Temple Terrace. But when you think of our church, you you don't think just that way. Did you know I did some research and in a 10 mile, that's not right, a 10 minute drive radius of our church. So if you were to draw a circle around our church and drove 10 minutes in every direction, do you know there are over 500,000 people just in a 10-minute drive. Most of them don't have a relationship with Christ. It's interesting to me. In 1528, the conquistador, Panfilo de Narvez, he came into Tampa Bay and he named it Espiritu Santo, Holy Spirit. This bay began to be known as the Bay of the Holy Spirit. But now in a state where a thousand people a day are moving to Florida, that's not what we're known for. We're known for hedonism. You know what hedonism is? It's the pursuit of pleasure. So man, people come from all over the world just to pleasure themselves here. Whether that means buying that great place on the beach or whether that means participating in debauchery. Yeah, we're one of the top sites for sexual tourism in the world. Can you believe that? Sexual tourism. That means that all those strip clubs and massage parlors, those kinds of things that you see, man, people are coming from around the world just to engage in sinful practice. Addictions. Alcoholism, drug abuse, and then there's this idolatry. There's so many things to become our idols in Tampa. Maybe a boat. We've talked about before it. Maybe your children. Maybe that home or your job. What I'm trying to tell you is we've, we should be at a place in our little corner of the world where we look out and like Jesus, we say, oh, Tampa, 
need to be different. In our little city of Temple Terrace, you know, we're about 25% Muslim now. You may not have heard this, but we've gotten news recently that the largest mosque in North America is being built in Temple Terrace. So what do we do? Do do we run away? Because that's what the church usually does. I just have to confess. The church usually treats its job like a business. Maybe like a Christian coffee shop or a Christian bookstore. If if my community's changing, I need to go where more people like me are. And so we retreat and we go to the suburbs and we try to build bigger buildings and get bigger crowds to be like us. But that's not the Jesus way. No, Jesus ran to the city and with great passion, he shared the news there was a different way. And that's got to be a part of what we do. Yeah, as, a, as a church, it's time that we rediscover our prophetic voice. That we understand that you're not being political when you acknowledge that, good night, this heinous sin of abortion is, is taking the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of baby boys and girls created in the image of God. And it is not political to say that when we read God's word as people of the book, we believe that that God created that marriage relationship as as a reflection of, of our relationship with him. And so that marriage between a man and a woman is sacred. And, and, and so we say that, yeah, we understand we're all sinners, but this homosexual relationships are not of God. And we kind of fill it out and we live out in in different ways in in our lives, but we recognize that it's not okay to just ignore the reality that alcoholism and and drug addiction is taking the lives of people all around us and pulling people away out of their marriage relationships and into all kinds of lifestyles that are creating problems. We've got to stand up and be different. We have to invest. And we have to invest physically by being here. We have to invest emotionally by caring. And then we have to sacrifice. And I was thinking of how to illustrate this. And then this week I heard an incredible illustration I was reminded of in Scripture. From, again, the book of Jeremiah. It's in Jeremiah chapter 32. Now, here's the context. Jeremiah is in prison. He's a captive. And his city is under siege. It's captive. And and Jeremiah gets this word from God that says, your cousin's going to come to you and he's going to offer you this piece of land there in the city. And you need to buy it. Now, I wanted to tell you that before I read it because I want you to understand how weird that is. That would be kind of like me saying to you, I've got a piece of oceanfront property in Montana I want to sell you. It doesn't make sense. Look, look at it. Here it is. Jeremiah 32, verse 6. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, buy my field that is at Anahoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, buy my field that's at Anahoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field. 
and Anahoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and I weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. Why is this important? I want you to understand that your investment, the investment I believe God is calling you to make is not based on common sense. Your investment is based on obedience, obedience to his commands, obedience to his mission, obedience to his way of doing things. So what did Jeremiah do? Well, he purchased the land and then he prayed. (laughs) And sometimes when God's telling us to do something that we don't understand, the only thing we can do is pray. God makes sense of this. Look at what he says in verse 16. After I'd given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neri, I prayed to the Lord saying, ah, Lord God, it is you who've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Hey, when's the last time you prayed to God with great passion? Oh God, I'm willing to step out in faith. I'm willing to put my yes on the table. I'm willing to do whatever it takes because nothing is too hard for you. That's what I'm asking you to pray about. I, I think it's time maybe church that we decide if we believe what we come and say we believe. Are you willing to trust God for those things that seem out of your reach? You see the purchase of the land, you see his prayer, and then you see the promise of God. Because at the end of this chapter, God comes back to Jeremiah and he says, hey, hang in there because I am going to restore the land and one day it will be yours and you will be able to inhabit it and make the most of it. And then in verse 27, he says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Let me ask you this morning, church, is anything too hard for you? The answer to that is yes. But is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Church, is anything too hard for God? Then buy the land. Buy the land. Step out in faith and and invest in the way that God's calling you to invest for the city, for the glory of God. I'm asking you to buy the land from Riverview to Zephyr Hills, from Lakeland to St. Pete, from Sefner to Lake Carroll, from Lutz to Wesley Chapel, from Temple Terrace to New Tampa, from Seminole Heights to Brandon, from Carrollwood to Waimama. Buy the land. Understand that there are people all around us that desperately need to see the message of Jesus Christ. And understand why this is so important. It's so important because this world, this city, it's not our home. A pastor by the name of Tim Keller has spent the last many years in New York City, a church called Redeemer Presbyterian, investing in one of the most difficult to reach cities in the world investing with the gospel of Christ. He has a lot to say about reaching the cities because, by the way, five million people a month are moving to the cities around the world. And too often the church moves out. 
Listen to his quote. He says, by his grace, Jesus lost the city that was so we could become citizens of the city to come, making us salt and light in the city that is. Jesus stood on that Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And he knew that that city was going to be destroyed. But he still went into that city and he died a cruel death on a cross so that you and I could become citizens of his kingdom, of his city, a city to come. But while we're here, he wants us to be present in our cities as his salt and light. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.